morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I want to invite you to take your Bibles, and let's go today to the book of Numbers, chapter 20, and let's talk about these areas of when God speaks and it doesn't make any sense to our natural minds. This is very important to understand the ways of God. Now, let's pray as we jump into today's message. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come with fresh anointing and illumination of your word, of your scriptures, of your way in which you operate. Now, Father, we thank you for this revelation, and we thank you that when you speak to us because we know you're going to, because you are a speaking God. We thank you, Father God, that we, by your grace, will obey, even when it doesn't make sense. Father, we give you all of the praise in Jesus' name, and we all agree and say, Amen. Now, we're beginning today in Numbers chapter 20, and let's start in verse 1. Then the children of Israel the whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now, there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So the pressure, once again, is on Moses. Now, verse 6. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Now, I believe if you will also go before the Lord, and oftentimes it certainly doesn't hurt to fall on your face in your personal time with the Lord, that he will also speak to you and give you the solutions to the pressing, urgent situations that also come to your life as well. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod. Now, Moses was very familiar with the rod, and many miracles had been worked, in a sense, alongside with that rod because it was a representation of authority. And he had held out that rod before the entire nation, and the waters split, and they went through the Red Sea. And so this is something that Moses is familiar with in the sense where he has already had one of these earlier episodes of desperately needing water in a remote barren area of the wilderness previously, and he struck the rock under the divine commandment of the Lord, and the water came out. Well, maybe he thinks the same format or procedure is going to unfold again, but the Lord has very different instructions on this go-around, although he is allowed to take the rod. Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron gathered the congregation together. Speak to the rock. So here, there's not a single thing mentioned about hitting the rock, kicking the rock, slapping the rock, jumping up and down on the rock, or anything like that. It's very simple, easy instruction. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Isn't that simple? And God says if you do it, it will work just as easily as I say it will. Speak to it, and uh, it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Well, Moses, yes, he is agitated. He's obviously not in the good mood. And all of that bickering and complaining has gotten, he's allowed it really to get underneath his skin. And now he's going to do something, not in the spirit, but in the flesh. 
Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. But verse 12, uh, we see that the Lord had to deal with Moses' direct disobedience. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me. We want to come back to that in just a moment. Because you did not believe me to hallow me, or you know that would mean to reverence and worship uh, the Lord in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. And of course, you know the long story short, he was not allowed, and he was, he was permitted by God's goodness just to go to a mountaintop and look into the land, but he was not allowed physically to venture into it. So my friends, this is very interesting. I, I don't really know what happened to Moses that day. There's a lot of commentaries with a lot of good explanations or attempts to explain why he blew it. One of the things that we do know is that if Moses would have done it all right, and he would have actually gone into the Canaan land or the promised land and would have brought the children of Israel in there, then really uh, we, we would have had to say that the law can get the job done. But the fact is, as we see throughout the Old Testament, is that the law has problems. Uh, and the main problem is that the law requires absolute perfection. And so if Moses could have accomplished all of this successfully, there would have been no need for a Savior to come into the world. But uh, Moses came short. Guess what? Just like we all have, we've all have fallen short. But as we look at this situation, I do believe that despite the many miracles that Moses had witnessed, such as the parting of the Red Sea, I think Moses although that was an epic miracle, he could see perhaps why God would do that. I mean, there's no way to go back. There's no way to go to the side. Uh, really, there's no way to go forward, but God decided to do the miracle in that direction. And so, you know, maybe that made a little bit of sense to him uh, previously when he did strike the rock. By the way, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, that Paul the Apostle writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that that rock that followed them, uh, you know, supernaturally, mysteriously, somehow always being around, that rock that followed them in the wilderness was actually Christ. So striking the rock once, which had already previously happened, was actually a type. And the word type is, a, is well, it's a Greek word that means a representation or symbolic imagery of something that would be fulfilled in the new covenant, and that would be Christ being struck once. In other words, he died once for the sins of humanity. So really, you know, Moses hitting the rock multiple times, uh, it certainly, it definitely gave the wrong type. It gave the wrong imagery because Christ was not going to die over and over for the sins of people. You know, in other words, it's not like the high priest temple system where every year we've got to have another sacrifice to cover and atone for the sins of the people. And this will just go on perpetually. No, Christ ended all of that by completing that through his perfect sacrifice. So yes, Moses blew it. First time he did it right because that's what the Lord told him to do. But this time the Lord never said, strike the rock, not, don't, don't even do it once, certainly don't do it twice. He just said, speak to the rock before their eyes. I think probably, this is just my own personal opinion, I think that when the Lord said that to Moses, and Moses being a veteran of hearing from God, yes, he's the leader of this great nation, but don't forget, he's also a prophet. But I think maybe this one was just like, seemed to Moses like a little bit weird, like, talk to the rock. Like, come on, Lord, I can understand. Hit the rock. I, you know, I, I've got the rod that represents authority and, you know, I, I can do that. I can play that role, but, you know, talk to a rock. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that and the agitation that he was dealing with of all the complaints and he probably just needed some more prayer time. Nevertheless, he's in front of the people and he hits the rock instead of speaking to it. And he did that in total unbelief because the Lord said, because you did not believe me. What did he not believe? An unusual instruction. Praise God. I would say it like this. 
He did not believe an instruction from God that didn't make sense. Well, Pastor Stephen, it always needs to make sense. No. Well, Pastor Stephen, God's always trying to portray prophetic imagery in what he does. Oh, no, no, not always, not all the time. Sometimes the, uh, he could ask you to do a certain thing, and, the, and you think, what's the meaning? Uh, there is no meaning. Just do what he said. There, there is no deeper hidden purpose. All he's wanting you to do is obey. Now, I'm teaching this message to you today because I strongly sense by the Holy Spirit that the word of the Lord is going to come to you, and it will come in a way that to your intellect and the way that you're wired and geared, we're all different, okay? But it's most likely going to come to you in a way that, quote, doesn't make any sense, unquote, okay? And when we talk about that, we're talking about the intellect, the mind, and our brain. And I, I know that God gave us a brain, but you have to understand that if, if you only stay in that intellectual realm, you cannot go into the glory realm. You cannot go into the supernatural because your brain was not designed really to go into that realm, but your spirit can. Hallelujah. So to your spirit, it can seem right on and it can seem real comfortable, but your brain may want to fight it. But I would suggest highly to you today that you go with what God said and you will see that when it is truly spoken from the Lord, and you truly obey, it will work in the most incredible way every single time. Now, you could also say that God bailed out Moses because he is the leader. And the last thing, you know, that Moses needs is to do something and then it doesn't work. And now the next thing, he know, I mean, he's already saying, Lord, these people are ready to stone me. We've heard that before, right? Uh, and it's not a, you know, a vague threat. They, they really were getting ready to stone him and Aaron. So the Lord, through his goodness, even though Moses was disobedient, the Lord still caused the water to come out, even through a disobedient act. But uh, the Lord, he was certainly going to deal with that direct disobedience, and it cost Moses from being able to go into the promised land. And of course, Aaron didn't enter either. Now, again, the Lord said, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Praise the Lord. So if the Lord tells you to do something, even if it doesn't make any sense, like talking to a rock in front of people, now it's one thing if you do it privately and you think, well, if this doesn't work, at least nobody's going to know about it. <laughs> but it's different when you step out in faith before people and you have to do it in faith. If, if the Lord truly said it and you do it, it will work every single time. But my friends, it still requires faith and you're going to have to believe. And don't let your brain, don't let your mind rob you of a tremendous blessing that God wants to get over to you. Praise the Lord. Now, Let's go to another story. 2 Kings chapter 13, and we are going to drop down to verse 14. I want you to be prepared in your heart to receive the word from the Lord. And I know you're ready, regardless of what that word of instruction would be, but you have to be ready also for those times that God says it, and it may seem like, well, why would God have me do that? Okay, that's what I'm trying to get you prepped for. That's the whole purpose of today's message, because I really believe a word like that is coming to you. Now, verse 14, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Now, the enemy also has 
battle plans against your life, just like the Syrians had against the nation of Israel and most certainly the king himself. But my friends, God has supernatural strategy to overthrow the enemy. You know what? This is not what I'm getting right now. There will be times when the Holy Spirit will inspire you in the face of demonic satanic attack, not to shout, holler, and rebuke, but simply laugh. Oh, Pastor Stephen, now what in the world sense would that make? Well, it says in the Bible that God laughs at his enemies. And there is an anointing, there is an inspiration of the Spirit to laugh at what the devil is doing. Now, somebody may see you doing that and think, oh, brother, you don't need to be laughing. You need to be praying. You need to do a 40-day fast. You, you need to go to Jer Jerusalem and get in front of the uh, Western Wall and pray, uh, pray day and night because, because of what the devil's doing. Well, it could be that the Lord uh, would just have you sit back and laugh and laugh. Well, I don't feel like laughing. Well, uh, make yourself do it, okay? Just stir it up, okay? Because if the Lord says laugh, then laugh. Because he, while you're laughing, will overthrow the enemy. Mm -mm -mm. Praise God. When you hear from the Lord, you will have those around you at times who they don't understand spiritual things. So they may not be the, the best ones to encourage you. Now, I've got good people around me that are spiritual people that pray and walk with the Lord. So if I say, this is what the Lord says, they're ready to jump on the bandwagon and, uh, and say, well, let's get it done, okay? But you, you have to be careful with those around you because they may try to shut you down. And if they shut you down, you just lost the victory, okay? Praise the Lord. Let's continue on. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry. You, you don't want to be around a man or woman of God or anybody under the anointing uh, when they're angry with the holy anger of God. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Well, Pastor Stephen, what was going through the mind of the king to blow an epic victory that would have just wiped out the enemy and they never would have had, a, would have had to dealt with the Syrians again? I'll tell you what was going through his mind. He was thinking, this is stupid. Okay, shoot an arrow out the window. Okay, take some arrows and strike them on the ground. He's probably thinking, now what in the world is that going to do? Ah, he's failing to see that there is a spiritual parallel to the natural. And while the striking was going on in the spirit realm, it was actually being recorded as victories over the Syrians. And if he would have struck hard, and if he would have struck more times, he would have had ultimate victory. Look, when the Lord speaks a word to you that doesn't make any sense, here's what I'm encouraging you to do. First of all, obey the word. Second of all, do it with all of your heart. Don't just, well, okay, you know, let me just humor the prophet over here and you know hit the ground a couple of times. No, this stuff is not play stuff. This stuff is real. There can be an anointing uh, to stomp, just like there's an anointing to stri you're striking the arrows. There, has, there have been a, a, times before the Lord's anointed me to stomp, and in the spirit realm, that stomp boom, is like an earthquake against the enemies of the Lord, and it scatters them, it terrifies them, and it backs them off. So you have to be quick to obey these things. And if you can understand that there's a spiritual parallel, that will help. But even if you can't, uh, at least know, obey, and obey aggressively. Do it with all of your heart. Praise the Lord. And that's why the king of Israel, Joash, he really missed a golden opportunity. And you know, it's not like you can refabricate this. Hey, Elisha, let's do it again next week. Well, he, he's about to die. So he, he's going to be dead. So it's not like you can just you know go back to that same well and let's pull out another miracle. When the word comes, that's when you react. Please do not delay and do it with all 
of your heart. Wow, these things are very important. We must obey even when it doesn't appear to make any sense to our intellect. Here's a good story that Prophet Kenneth Hagin told years back. He and his wife and a pastor and the pastor's wife were praying for a lady at the hospital who had cancer. And the cancer had been very aggressive and it was really kind of wrapped up in her, so to speak. Well, they are in the hospital room praying for her and they decided to kneel down and just pray. So the four were praying with their eyes closed. By the way, the lady that had cancer, she was laying there in the bed. She's praying too, praying, praying in tongues because she's a spirit-filled believer, but she's sick. Okay, so they're all praying, and uh, Brother Hagin was at the head of the bed, but he was on his knees praying. And while he was on his knees praying, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Go, stand at the foot of the bed. And he said, he thought, uh, he, he stopped praying, so he got out of the spirit, and he got into the, the natural, and he thought, well, what good would that do? <laughs> you know, I mean, if God's going to do something, he can do it just as easily here at this end of the bed as at the other end of the bed. So why, why, would, I, why would I go do that? So anyhow, he, he kind of realized, well, let me get back to praying. So he goes back to praying. He gets back into the Spirit. He's praying in tongues. They're all praying in tongues. He gets back in the Spirit, and again, the Holy Spirit spoke to him the, sec excuse me, the second time and said, go stand at the foot of the bed. Well, he stops praying, pulls out of the Spirit, and he starts thinking with his mind. Remember, I'm, I'm talking today about when God gives instructions that don't make sense. Okay, so he stops and he thinks to himself, well, why... Why would I do that? What difference does that make if I were where I'm at? And so he thought that doesn't make any sense, so he didn't obey. So he goes back to praying again. He gets back in the spirit. They start praying real strong again. And the third time, isn't, isn't the Holy Spirit patient? The third time, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go stand at the foot of the bed. And he thought to himself, well, you know, it wouldn't hurt. So he stood up and he walked to the foot of the bed. And as he stood there, he decided to pray with his eyes open. So he, they're all praying in the spirit. They're all praying in tongues. And when he got finally to the foot of the bed, okay, his wife who had been kneeling down, she stood up and she began uh, to pray in a different type of tongue. Her tongues began to change and she began to speak in a tongue that actually Kenneth Hagin could understand what his wife was saying in tongues. And what she was saying in tongues was for him, for Kenneth Hagin to say, I rebuke you, spirit of fear and unbelief, come out of her. And so when he was instructed in tongues to do that, he just spoke that out in English and spoke over the woman to the spirits in the woman and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, spirit of fear, and unbelief come out of her right now. And when he said that, a dark creature came up out of her chest area where the cancer was located. He said it looked like a bat, but it was bigger, much bigger than a bat. And it came up out of her. It was an evil spirit. And it flew away. It flew out of the room. And when that happened, the pastor who was uh, also in the room said, wow, he said something went right by me. And Kenneth Hagin said, I, I know. He said, I'm aware of that. And that lady rose up out of that bed completely healed. The cancer was completely gone from her body. And she had not been able to eat. She lost all kinds of weight. And by the next day, she was already eating uh, lunch after the church service. Praise God. So my friends, uh, when the Holy Spirit who is the voice of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit is instructing you or I to do something that Jesus has said. And Jesus says it, and the Holy Spirit hears it. He is the voice of God, and he shares it with you and I. And when he shares it with you and I, it could be, and don't be surprised if it is, something that doesn't make any sense. And you may think, well, why would I do that? Uh, wh what difference does this make or that make? All I'm saying is that in, in some ways, it doesn't make any difference. 
it, it doesn't at all. You know, uh, why strike, uh, you know, why use arrows to hit the ground with? Can I use, can I take off my belt, hit my belt on the ground? Uh, it's not about the belt. It's not about the arrows. It's about obedience. It's not about praying at the foot of the bed or underneath the bed or on the other side of the bed. It's, it's, it's not about that stuff. It's not about uh, speaking to a rock or, you know, uh, touch it with your cell phone. It, it's not about this or that. There's nothing special about it. All that's special is your obedience. So if the Lord says, do this, well, then just do it. It's, it's not like, well, the Lord's trying to portray something through where I'm standing. No, he's not. He just wants you to be obedient. So do what he said. And don't let your mind get you all tangled up and boggled down in wanting or needing an explanation because it could just be that there is no explanation. It doesn't really mean anything. You're just supposed to obey. That's what God is looking for. And if you'll just talk to the rock, if that's what God said to do, the water will come right out of it, right in front of everybody. Well, I don't see how that works. Well, you don't need to understand how it works. It's, it's a miracle. <laughs> I mean, can we really explain miracles? Can we explain them in a way where people say, oh, yes, now I understand. That makes perfect sense. Uh, no, no that's, that's the God realm. And there's a lot of the things about God, uh, uh, numerous things that we're never going to understand. Maybe, maybe after we've been in heaven for a couple of million years, we'll have a much better grasp of certain things. But it's not like we're ever going to get it all figured out because we're not, because it's just the Lord has too much depth. Now, let's look at another one. John chapter 9. Praise the Lord. Get ready. Be on the alert for what the Holy Spirit would instruct you to do. Woohoo! Glory to God. John chapter 9, verse 6. How about this one for a word that doesn't make any sense? When he had said these things, he, that would be Jesus, spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. Now, now you'll have a lot of good theologians. They're, they're going to try to over the years. I, I've read the commentaries. Okay. Uh, you have classic commentaries by many good, uh, many good ministers that are out there, you know, going back 300, 400 years and even older. And they give their their spin or what they think meant was going on there. Well, many of them have taken good shots at trying to, you know, give insight onto the spit and the clay and stuff like that. Well, uh, here here's the bottom line: uh, the spit and the clay really that's not the focus. The focus is is that the Holy Spirit moved upon Jesus to anoint that blind man in that particular way. And it's not like he did that for every blind person. But for whatever reason, the mystery of God, the Holy Spirit instructed Jesus upon that occasion to take some spit from his, you know, just spit, you know, and take the, the dirt and make some clay and put it on his eyes. But if the Lord had told him under the anointing and direction of the Holy Spirit, to go and to get two cupcakes and tape them onto your eyes with duct tape and go over to the local swimming pool at the Holiday Inn and jump in. Well, if that's what the Holy Spirit would have said, it would have worked the same way. Now, the thing was is that when the word comes, the Lord did his part, but now the man has his responsibility, which is to do what? Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Well, hold on, Pastor Stephen, there, there's a water fountain right over there. How come he just can't walk to the water fountain? I mean, the water fountain's just 20 yards away. Well, that pool's a half mile from here, and he's blind. It's all about obedience. It doesn't have anything to do with the pool. I have no idea why the Holy Spirit instructed Jesus to send the man to the pool of Siloam. But that's what God chose to do, and let's just be flat out honest. The blind man, although he's already been anointed, he's got the he's got the clay on his eyes. If the blind man would have gone to the pool of Bethesda or some other pool, he would not have gotten healed. 
So if he wants to get his miracle, he's now got to do his part. Jesus said, go wash at the pool of Siloam. That is the pool that he meant. And if you go anywhere else, it's not going to work. Pastor Stephen, what's so special about the pool of Siloam? Are you ready for a deep revelation? What was so special about it was this. Nothing. Nothing. I'm sure it's a nice pool, nice water, but it's not about the pool. It's not about the water. It's not about, well, maybe they had some musicians that day playing by the pool. No, it has nothing to do with that. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It just has everything to do with your obedience. So you have to be careful that you don't let your brain hijack your miracle. Woo! Which is why it's good when you get the instruction, just get up and start doing it before your brain tries to like pull you out of it or you try to start getting all analytical. Just get up right then and go take care of it. Praise the Lord and be happy and be uh, enjoying the Lord as you do it. Praise God. Well, that certainly doesn't make any sense to put spit and mud on somebody's eyes. Can you imagine that today? Ooh, he spit on his eyes. Well, you know what? If that's what it takes for a miracle, uh, just put me in the front of the line. Hallelujah. Because look, look, if you're blind or you're in pain or you're messed up, you're just like, hey, what, whatever. You know, I just, I'm just going to yield, do your thing. And if there's a word from the Lord, let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll get on it immediately. Praise God. So my friends, be ready to go. Be ready to go. And I really believe sometimes the Lord does these things in an unusual way to insult our arrogant, prideful mentality. When we think we all we are so smart. Of course, you can be so smart and still be messed up, right? Here's Naaman with all of his great pride. I'm not going to go dip in that river, you know, dip in the Jordan River seven times. And that's what the prophet told him to do. Elisha said, go wash or bathe in the Jordan River seven times, and your skin will be made whole. And he's just like, well, hey, I've got I've got these other rivers over here that are better, and they were. But look, it's not about the other rivers. It's not even about the Jordan. It's just about obey what God said to do through the prophet, or if God speaks at you to directly, or if another believer uh, you gets a very accurate word of wisdom for you, and it's for you, my, my goodness, jump on it. Woo, praise God. But see, Naaman almost missed his miracle. You know, hey, you know, the, the, the river's muddy. And it is. If you go to the Jordan River, it does, first thing re- always reminds me of is chocolate milk. And that's exactly what it looks like. Now it is uh, safe and clean. The reason of that color is all the minerals and soil, stuff like that, that are kind of swirling around in the water. Uh, they say it's safe to, you know, to be in it, but I, I've heard also there's a lot of pesticides that flow into it, but whatever, you know, it is what it is. But the thing is, is that it really, the focus is not about the Jordan River because God could have told him, hey, roll in mud. But I believe that what was going on, and this is also one of the reasons why some words from the Lord insult our intelligence is because our intelligence, our ego needs to be insulted by the Lord because we think we know what's best. And Naaman argued. He just argued with his servants that I'm not doing that. That's stupid. And you know what? But he forgot one thing. Hey, you're the leper. You're the one with the problem. You're the one who's messed up. Can't you see that, you know, your flesh is falling off? Uh, hey, what's so hard about, and that, that's what his servants start getting into with him. Hey, what's so hard? I mean, it's, this is not like a big deal. Just go take a bath seven times. <laughs> I mean, he, it's not like he's asked you something complicated or has given you some bizarre instruction like go to the moon and back. It's just go, it's like, there's the river. Go bathe in it seven times. And he finally did it. And when he did it, sure enough, he came out with brand new skin. I mean, wow. Incredible, incredible what the Lord had done for him. Well, my friends, yes, I believe every time that Naaman went down in that muddy water, a little bit more of that arrogance got peeled off of him. A little bit more of that hot stuff pulling up in his chariot with all of his servants. You know, it's like pulling up in a Rolls Royce, pulling up with all of his wealth. He thought he was somebody, but he forgot he's somebody with leprosy. Okay, so the thing is, is just get over the ego, get over the intellectual, you know, whatever, and just just humble yourself and do it. Woo! And guess what? It'll work every single time when the word is originating from the Lord himself. One more. Isaiah chapter 38. 
This one's really, maybe we could even use the word silly. Isaiah 38, verse 21. Now, Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. Now, this is referring to King Hezekiah, who was very, very sick. He was about to die. He calls the prophet Isaiah, hey, you know, what does the Lord say? And uh, Hezekiah, excuse me, Isaiah says, well, the Lord says you're going to die. <laughs> you know, put your house in order because you're leaving the planet. And so um, Hezekiah really just went before the Lord and said, hey, you know, Lord, please give, give me a little bit longer of a time here. And I really love you. I'll do the best I can to live for you and serve you. And so before Isaiah could even get out of the court and, you know, leave the courtyard and everything, the Lord basically said, okay, I'm going to do it for him. And so speaks to Isaiah, says, go back and tell him, uh, I'm going to give him 15 more years. Well, he was still sick. And Isaiah said, you're going to recover. You'll be up in about just a couple of days. I think he said in three days, you'll be totally fine. But this is what Isaiah said, let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil and he shall recover. You wouldn't believe how many commentators, they get all focused on the figs. Yes, the figs, because the figs have sulfur in them. They drew out the poison. No, no, it's not the figs. It's God's healing power. The figs, I mean, if the Lord would have, uh, would have told the prophet to put grapefruit, you know, slice some grapefruit and put it on there. I mean, if the Lord would have said, you know, take a slice of apple pie and put it on there, uh, it would have worked. It's not about the figs. My friends, please see this and understand this. Well, I don't understand why God said put some figs on there. I mean, after all, the figs are rotten and this is, we're going to have flies in here and this is going to make it worse. No, if God said, uh, through the prophet to put the figs on there. We need to get some figs, squish them up and put them on there and start getting ready to get up off the sick bed because God's word has been sent. And it's true. I mean, even God made the sundial go backwards as a confirmation that you will live and not die. My friends, don't get your eyes on the figs, get your eyes on the instruction and obey it. When you do that, it will work. I remember one day I woke up at six o'clock in the morning to get ready to go to work. And the Holy Spirit told me, he said, when you go into work today, give your two week notice because after that you are immediately going into full-time ministry. And I thought, wow, I mean, it's like it's finally here, you know, cause I had wanted that for several years and I kept on working and ministering. I would I was working a full-time job. Uh, I was working 40 to 50 hours a week, and I was preaching usually on Sundays and often on Wednesday nights. So I was kind of burning the candle at both ends of the stick. And I, you know, of course, I thought, wow, it would be nice to go full-time in the ministry, but you can't send yourself. That's a, that's a calling. You can't you can't launch yourself. I mean, I mean, you can, but if it's you doing it, now you're responsible for floating all of that. <laughs> but when the Lord sends you, now he's responsible for it. And of course, when the Lord sends you, then there's also the equipment, the anointing, the supernatural packaging that goes along with the ministry office. So the Lord told me, he said, you know, give your two-week notice today because you're going into the ministry full-time. Now, when he told me to do that, I had three meetings only booked for the entire year. I'd been real busy before that, but um, for whatever reason, there was a, there was a pause, and I had not uh, booked things for the year. And uh, even even with a lot of the contacts I had, I couldn't have filled up a year schedule. Well, I've got something going every Sunday, so I just thought, wow. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said I've only got three meetings on the schedule for the entire year. But I said, Lord, I'd be, I'd be lying if I, if I said I didn't hear from you because I know your voice and I know you've spoken to me and I will do that. And so I went into work that morning and I spoke to the, to the manager, not just my manager, but the manager over the, over the entire store. And I said, um, Hey, I, I'm going to turn in my two week notice today and I'm going to, I'm going to be moving on, but I just want you to know I've had a wonderful time here and greatly enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it's been, you know, uh, what was it? Three and a half years with the company and it's been a great, a great time. And he looked at me and he said, Stephen, he said, are you sure that you want to do this? Because we have, we've just come out of a meeting, me and the department managers, and we've already determined 
And we were waiting to talk to you today. We had already determined to make you the next manager in this particular department. And I said, you know what? And it, it didn't phase me at all. I said, you know what? That is very gracious that you guys thought that of me. And I really appreciate it. But I know that this is what I have to do. And I, I want to say thank you for all the good years I've had with the company. And he said, he said okay. He said, uh, we'll get the paperwork ready. And two weeks later, I stepped off uh, from that job. And you know what? Not really knowing how God would work it all out. And I had a wife and, you know, got a daughter. And, you know, you, you have to pay bills and things like that. You have to live. But you know what? It's been years and years and years. And I've been running busy ever since. And not once has the Lord ever failed to take care of me and my family. He's been very, very good to us. But did it make sense? Uh, not really, uh, especially when they told me, hey, we have planned, we've already got it all planned out, your management career and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's a good paying company, but that's not uh, what the Lord had for me. He had a different route, a different path. And so, it didn't make sense, but I knew that's exactly what God told me to do. And I obeyed and I went when he told me to go. And the moment I made that commitment and decided to do it, things began to move uh, on my behalf. I remember a pastor of a very large church called me uh, right after I had given my two-week notice. He called me and he said, Stephen, he said, when are you going to come speak at my church? And I said, well, I I could probably come pretty soon. He said, I want you to come just as soon as you can. And this is a church where uh, you could say that all the celebrity preachers preached at. And all any famous name, they preached that church. And it was a very, uh, it's the kind of church that's a great church. That as a traveling minister, as a prophet or evangelist, if you go there, you know they're going to take really good care of you. And he said, he said, I want you to come as soon as you can. I said, I can, I said, I can be there in about two weeks. He said, good. He said, I'm going to give you uh, this particular service, which was an evening service. And he said, we're going to have a great time. So I went, and that although I'd spoken at his church previously various times, when I went that night, and he, he received a really good offering for me. And later, when he gave me my, my offering, he actually doubled it, something he'd never done before. And he said, Stephen, he said, I just, the Lord has it on my heart to really be an extra blessing to you. And I, I have doubled the offering that came in tonight in the giving for you. And uh, here it is. And you're talking about right on time. And then another pastor called me right after that. Pastor Stephen, when can you come speak for me? I said, well, I can probably come pretty soon. He said, um, I want you here this Sunday if you could do it. So it was supernatural, supernatural. And the Lord just began to open doors and open doors. And he set us up really good so that we had a strong launch. He launched us out and off we went. And we have been going, my friends, preaching the gospel ever since. Did it make sense when the Lord told me to leave my full-time salary, salary job? At that time, I was working 50 hours a week on salary. I was Everything was set doing good, comfortable, you know, uh, but the Lord said, go and go now. And I did. But my friends, I believe, and I'm not saying the, uh, the word that's coming to you is like a word launch off in the ministry or something like that. That's not what I'm trying to convey. But I am trying to convey that whatever it is that the Lord would say to you, please don't let your brain talk you out of it. I would say, rise up quickly and do what the Lord has instructed you to do. You know, I belong to a ministerial association with some real good ministers, and one of the ministers in the association, he, he shared his testimony. He was a pastor, and he also had a small stock brokerage firm that he ran. He was the owner of it, had a few employees, and he said he woke up one morning to go to work, and as he was going to work, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Now watch this. The Holy Spirit said, when you go into the office today, do not make one single trade without my instruction. Only do today what I instruct you to do. Well, that he had never heard a word from the Lord like that before. He didn't know what to expect, didn't know what was going to happen, but he went into the office. He told uh, his uh, workers, uh, he said, look, he said, don't do anything today unless I tell you to do it. Don't make any trades. Don't buy, sell anything. Just hold steady until I tell you what to do. So he went into his office and prayed. 
And the Lord, that day, the Holy Spirit showed him a few things to do. And he said, by the time the day had closed, and he looked at the money that was, that was made, and by the time the tithe is taken out, and all of the employees are paid, and the expenses for the day are covered, he said he had netted in one day $400,000. Hey, that's nice. That's a nice day. Somebody might, might be watching, and you think, oh, I, I make that every day, Pastor Stephen. Well, the Lord bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. But for many people, hey, that would be not just a good day. That would be a nice year. But nevertheless, in one day, the Lord did that for him. And everything that he did, he only did what the Holy Spirit showed him to do. I'm just trying to tell you that God knows things that you and I don't know. And we may think, because we have limited knowledge, limited understanding, we may think that doesn't make any sense. But God sitting there thinking, I know everything about everything, and it makes total sense. Do it, and you will be blessed. Praise God. Now, in closing, let me also share this. Please don't try to force a word. Don't try to um, make something up because you so strongly want God to speak to you. Just put your time in with the Lord. Pray. Hang out with God. Have a good time with the Lord. And he'll speak on his own behalf, on his own time, when he wants to. But I do sense that a word is coming. So I want you to be extra attentive, uh, particularly over the next 30 days. Uh, maybe 31 days, like a full month, because I believe, I believe God's got something good planned for you. And so much, listen, so much of our success relies upon hearing God and obeying him. And I'm not just talking about the written word, but I, which is essential, but I'm also talking about the voice of God, hearing that and then walking it out. Woo! Praise the Lord. My friends, I'm telling you what, the gifts of the Spirit are for your profit. And when that word comes, it is for your profit. Please do exactly what God is instructing you to do. And I believe that you will. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for those that are watching today, that grace be released upon their lives for quick obedience, that their brain, and you've given us our brains, O oh God, but our, our spirits can go places that our brains can't go. So I'm praying, Father, for your people that while they use their brain and they use their intellect, they will not allow that to hinder them from going higher, which is to go into the spirit. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And your word, actually, oh God, it comes into our spirit and we pick it up with our mind. So, Father, we just thank you for grace to obey. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, my friends, let's get ready to take Holy Communion today. Now, if you're watching today's program and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, that's pretty cool to actually have God give you an instruction, but I don't know the Lord. Well, the best place to begin is to get your life right with God. And when your life is right with God and you belong to him, then now you are a candidate to hear from the Most High God. And he is a talking God. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now, please pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner and I ask you to save me right now. Wash away my sins. I give my life to you, and I repent of all of my sins, and I turn from them, and I turn to you with all of my heart. Jesus, wash me with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. Save me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Amen and amen. And my friends, the Lord has heard your cry. He has heard your prayer. And he has now saved you. You belong to him. And the angels have recorded your name in the Lamb's book of life. Now serve him and live for him every day of your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's grab some unleavened bread and some, some grape juice. And let's pray over it. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it 
That is, we set it apart as holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of our Savior. When we look at it, we see a little wafer still, and we see grape juice. But we know that as we receive it by faith, we are receiving the body and the blood of Christ. Thank you, O God. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you that you still speak to your people today. We thank you that we believe that the gifts of your Spirit are in manifestation and that you speak to us. So, Father, whether you speak to us directly by your Holy Spirit or whether you speak to a prophet or prophetess or whether you speak to a minister under the anointing of your Spirit, even if it's a pastor or an apostle or whatever it might be, or if you speak to another brother or sister in the Lord, we thank you, O God, that we believe that your Word is coming to us with divine instruction. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for grace to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us now receive the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. If there's anybody watching and you feel that there is sin in your heart that's unconfessed, get that right with the Lord right now. Just pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of all sin. Anything that I've done that's wrong, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me with your blood. Thank you, Jesus. My sins and my iniquities you remember no more. Hallelujah. And Father, we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We forgive them just as you have freely forgiven us of our sins. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And Father, we thank you for grace to live a life that's pleasing to you. We thank you that grace instructs us to deny ungodliness and to deny worldly lust and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present life. We thank you for your strength and your anointing and your grace. We now receive the blood of Jesus in his name. Amen. Let's receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. My friends, thank you for watching today. Thank you for being so attentive. I sense that in my spirit, much attention being given to the wisdom of God. Because see, wisdom always carries instruction. Wisdom will always have instruction associated with it. So I believe the Lord really appreciates your reverence for his word and for your willingness to be quick to obey. So, Father, we just thank you. We seal this word in the name of Jesus. The, the birds of the air, the evil spirits will not steal the seed of this word sown into the hearts of your people. We thank you for attention to this word, and we thank you for an awareness that our word is coming. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.